Eve. Hello. Yes, we are back again for another episode of Strong Tea, and this is the third in our Pride series. So we're very proud of it, actually. Um, for those of you, I see what you did there. Oh yeah, I know. I'm on it today. I'm on it. Even if there's no caffeine, I'm on it. Um, we, uh, if you haven't joined us uh, for a Strong Tea podcast before, um, it's uh, myself. I'm Katie. I'm Vicky. That's that's the other one over there, the co-host. That's me. Yeah, the one that just forgot to say their name. That's me. Yeah, that's okay. She is here. She's she's warming up. Um, we uh, make up strong tea, and strong tea is a podcast that Vicky and I put together um, through a love of chatting and also a love of RuPaul's Drag Race. And if you've ever watched it, you'll know that the phrase "What's the tea?" means "What's the truth?" Let's talk about honestly let's get all the facts out there and that's what this is all about it's about talking about taboo topics it's talking about truth it's about educating ourselves and others and it's just about spreading the word so basically with our pride series we're very very excited about our guest today we're turning yes yay um but first before we get into that and I'll hand it over to Vicky I'm gonna find out what you're drinking today so Dylan what's in your cup um, boringly, it's just this water bottle I've got now. I've finished my coffee. Ah, oh, shocker! Mm. I know, silly boy. Didn't can't have it. Can't have too many. Too many in one day. Get overexcited. Only the one for me. <laughs> <laughs> Vicky, what about you? Well, I'm the opposite. I'm going to get excited. I've got coffee. <laughs> oh, we know oh, where yeah. he goes with coffee. <laughs> Breaking the tea mold, but it's a it's a vanilla custard. Nespresso oh. one. I know. I know. Oh, you know. Sounds amazing. Treat yourself, eh? Sorry? Treat yourself. Sounds good. I, I know. I know. Just just call me posh. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bit jealous now. <laughs> I've got I've gone for a twinings cam- chamomile on honey, which is nice, nice and soothing, but not nearly as exciting as a vanilla vanilla custard espresso. Mm. Sounds epic. I know, it is. Just wait. <laughs> On that note, note, uh, against my better judgment, I'm going to hand the reins over to you um, so you can take charge (laughs) Um, and we'll just see where it goes because we know what you like in caffeine. It's great. (laughs) Yeah. Hold on tight. Strap yourselves in. Here we go. So we are extremely excited to have Dylan Holloway here again with us. Um, Musician, producer, songwriter, lord, singer, all sorts, (laughs) trans icon, you know, just Dylan, you're a superstar and so, so much gratitude, ongoing gratitude to have you here to talk about your journey. Um, if you haven't listened to it before, please listen to part one um, of Dylan's uh, double episode. It's, it, yeah, it's emotional, it's honest, it's vulnerable, it's it's just everything. It's a real roller coaster. But this one, this episode, we're going to talk to Dylan about his music um, his love of music, his journey with music, and pride as well. So, Dylan, without further ado, tell us about your career. Oh, thank you. I feel like I might just take you everywhere with me to introduce me like that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't charge much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a cup of uh, custard and vanilla tea. I know. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> um, well, where do I start? Music has always been where I was going. It was just the thing that consumed my life as a child. My parents are so into music um, and either the, even though neither of them play an instrument, they just love the energy that music can bring to a household. So 
we'd be cleaning, doing the washing up. There'll be music on, there'll be ABBA in one room. Then my dad would be listening to the Beatles in another. My mum would have Bob Marley in the car. My dad would then have talking heads and like, like swap the CDs on the tape back in those days. <laughs> yeah. and then, but then, you know, we also had like a Disney mixtape. So that was always on the car. And we were always encouraged, me and my sister, to sing along to everything. So um, it, it was just something that brought a lot of joy to my life and brought me... Um, a lot of connection through you know singing along with your your mum or your sister in the car like it was just just amazing so I thought like this is just a great aspect of life and then I noticed things about myself as I started to talk about in the previous episode that I felt different and I felt I felt at the time the way I described it was like I was a boy but in a girl's body uh, and I was like, this, I am aware after kind of voicing it here and there in the house is a different outlook than, than anyone else seems to have. So you need to not talk about it really, because it's, um, you're the only one. Right. And then I started to look through my mum and dad's music, music collection and dad would play me a lot of David Bowie. And I remember looking at the album art in David Bowie's vinyls and being like, this guy's weird too. Like <laughs> he, he's like, he's really weird. Like yep. there's this se seemingly um, cis straight male, but who's like talking about, um, talking about other men and wearing makeup and wearing high heels. And although that wasn't my trajectory, I was like, this person is different and they're being celebrated for it. Why is that? Well, it's because they're a great musician. And I was like, bam, I'm going to go and be weird over there because it seems like it's a safe place to do that. Um, and I think I said something similar in a magazine, a magazine um, interview once about how like musicians can be extremely kooky and on the edge of society, but get away with it. Uh, and, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go and do that. So that's what began my, my, my want to go into the music industry. It was more of like a, a, a safety net. Like maybe I can be myself over there. Uh, and I sort of said that, that to my parents and then um, in school, I don't know if you guys had this, but we would have like guests come in and there was a, a lady who came in to play drums and then like these other other music teachers who came in to play instruments. And I remember watching in an assembly, like all these these people play instruments. And I, I went home and I was like, guys, you have to get me a drum kit. You have to get me a drum kit. I have to do this. Um, and they were like, what? You couldn't have picked like a quieter instrument, like like the flute or like <laughs> a recorder or something. And I was like, no, it has to be the drums. And they were like, why? And I was like, well, because there was this girl on the drums and she just looked really cool. And I think, again, it was that's something that you often don't assume when you think of a drummer. You kind of like immediately slot that. You picture like a male drummer because it seems like a male thing. So I, I also thought it was quite cool to see this woman playing the drums. And I was like, you know, she's a bit different. So again, it was like reaffirming you can be different in this space. So I, I, I was given a drum kit for my next birthday and I took lessons on how to play drums. But if, if, uh, if you know me a bit longer, you realize I don't like being told what to do by anyone at any time. <laughs> so the, the, the training part of it really took the love out of it for me. And like, I, I ended up um, studying grade eight drums, but it was very like a job, like I had to do it. So then I was like, my dad, um, what David Bowie plays is actually a guitar. 
So maybe I could have a guitar and be be like Ziggy Stardust myself. So um, for my next birthday, my dad got me um, acoustic guitar. And at that time, I decided I would do it differently. And I taught myself using YouTube and like a tab website where I would just type in a song that I wanted to learn, probably Numb by Linkin Park at the time. Oh, brilliant. And, yeah. And I was just like, right, three or four chords. I'll learn those. And like, let's just go. And that was really fun for me because it was like, I'm doing it at my own pace. And because I want to do it, I'm doing it for hours on end. Um, and then I started to write notes in bed after dark, like writing notes or like poetry, almost things. And then I started to put the two together and start to write my own music on my guitar. Usually probably about a girl in my school, although I probably would have never said that at the time, but um, that's how, that's how the, the love of music started to, to, to find me. And um, people started to realize and see that in me, that it was something that I was so interested in doing. And um, yeah, and it, apparently I wasn't half bad at it. So, Is that something that's quite common that, as you as a person, you can do things quite easily, or do you think it was long word coming up, serendipitous, that kind of you were good at music and that was your calling? Um, yeah, I, I'm not the kind of person that's good at like all things quickly. I, I can pick up a lot of things, um, but like just enough to be that cheeky guy that, oh, you know, like I can just do everything, but really I can't do anything very well, you know, mm-hmm. like, apart from music that was something that I was like one of those kids in school who never really had to try hard on a test but would somehow get 10 out of 10 Mm -hmm. that person whereas in music I was really passionate about it and I I do feel like that some some people just have a natural connection with something and fortunately for me because it brings me so much joy it was just music it just lives in my veins it just it helps me express what's inside and bring it out it's like an extension the drums were probably an extension of my own inner frustration and rage and um unknown about my life because i was feeling now with the, with the with the language i know like transgender but i didn't know that so i felt like this trapped little boy inside this body and i'm gonna smash it out on a drum kit you talked about the stuff that your parents listened to when you were growing up yeah but what apart from david bowie sounds like um he was quite an iconic person for you in your journey Mm. but when you were growing up and you were just sort of discovering music and starting to play yourself who were your sort of favorite artists who did you sort of idolize in that sort of period of your life um well i remember the first cd i bought from Woolworths (laughs) 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 with birthday money was um was songs about jane maroon five um and then i bought this this love was like a single and i used to put it on every morning on the way to school um so yeah maroon five was pretty pretty big for me but yeah lincoln parker had um an album their album um eminem i listened to a lot um i really liked the rhythmic nature of his his rap was quite cool and then in a less cool fashion, I used to listen to um, like Jesse McCartney. I don't know if you know this guy, but he had this big sweeping fringe. He was like the prettiest boy you could imagine, like with this big blonde sweeping fringe. He had this song called um, A Beautiful Soul. I don't want another pretty face. I don't want just anyone to hold. And I was like, oh my God, he gets all the girls. I want to be just like that guy. I'm going to have to Google him now because I don't know who that is. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I still don't know who he is. Oh yeah, Big Fringe. 
He probably yeah. only had like two songs. I, I, I only know, well, I can only think of the one, but I remember seeing that music video and being like, he just, he can just charm any woman. Like I want to be like that person. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so I, I grew myself a big friend and I had a big sweeping <laughs> And then Justin Bieber came out and everyone was like, you're copying Justin Bieber. I was like, he copied me. So how did you, how did you progress from a love of music and teaching yourself to play the guitar to, you know, recording artists? How did that journey progress for you? I think it was the realization that if I don't try a bit harder in music, I'm going to have to go and do a job. Like I was just like, what do you mean? living and doing a job like like I said earlier I don't like being told what to do so the idea of like a nine-to-five or just a job where someone else tells me what to do I was like I can't do that so I'm just <laughs> gonna have to work really hard and go into music and make it a reality um and I think the the way that came about was again kind of serendipitous it was a lot of a lot of things that happened and I sort of said to my mum's colleague because I used to walk there after school and go and sit in my mum's office before going home and I'd said all oh, about the music and stuff. And then her colleague had said, oh, I've seen this poster in town. And it was like a, uh, recruiting for a band. So she pulled off one of the tabs and gave it to my mum. And we called up and said, we'll come to the auditions. And one Sunday afternoon, I went to this hall, like a village hall in the middle of nowhere. And um, I was the only person who turned up for the, for the band auditions that day with my drumsticks. And that was, I was just the only person there. And there were two guys running the, they were basically trying to put a band together in the local community. And uh, they were like, right, so you're here and we have to do something with you for an hour. So let's just like sit and chat and talk about like music. So we went to another room and they were like, do you, we don't actually have a drum kit here um, right now for you to play. And even if there was, we can't just hire a drummer. Do you, do you do anything else? Are you a guitarist? Can you sing? And I was like, well, I'm not really a singer, but recently I've had to sing some stuff in my school, but so I can sing. And they were like, well, will you sing for us? And one of the guys said to the other one, um, go and get your guitar and let's hear him sing. And I was like, oh, they think I'm a boy, which lit me up in my heart. <laughs> I was I was like, yes, I've been gendered correctly because I mean, I, look, I looked like a guy from day dot up until... 14, 15, when I started to like, 15 probably when I started to push myself into the more stereotypical feminine binary for a bit. But yeah, 15, 16. So um, I then had to say, even though I didn't want to, oh, like, I'm not actually a boy. But instead of saying I'm a girl, the only phrase I would use is oh, I'm not actually a boy and full stop. Because I, I, I again was like so happy of being in that place of being in the boy category. I didn't want to say anything else. And they were like, oh, like, really, sorry, let's sing. So uh, he got his guitar out. He started to play um, Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. And I just stood up and started singing. And they were like, maybe you should do that instead of the drums because you've got a really, really nice voice. And it's really, um, it's really nice. So I was like, okay, cool. Uh, and then they invited me back. It was like a, almost like a record company, but it was really small and in the middle of nowhere in Cornwall. So it was small, right? But just two guys that were into music. And so I started to go there and they had just a set of speakers and a keyboard and stuff. And one of the guys could use a laptop and make music. So I started to write songs and record them with, with these guys. And that's what really started it because then I would go home and write more music and bring it back to them and say, well, what about this, what about that? And we, we formed like a good 
working relationship and they sent a couple of my songs to a manager in London. And this manager came back and said, you've got a really good writer there. I'd really like to meet him. So come up. We had a meeting in London, but this guy said to me, I can't look after you if you're going to be in Cornwall because it's too far away. If you ever get pulled into a session, you need to be here. And thus began my move to London. This was when I was 17. Wow. Um, yeah, which which was really cool and very exciting. And was, it, was it a bit scary as well? I think at the time, no, I was very much like that kid that would just climb to the top of the tree and then then look down, you know, and then be like, oh, shit. <laughs> so like, yeah, I'll move to London, that sounds really cool. And then getting there and then came the days of like, oh, I can't actually, I'm just going to eat beans on toast for the entire week. Mm. And I don't have any friends. And it was hard at that point after the fact, but then I worked through it. Um, I, I love London. And I think I was excited to move here because the time that I had come up a few times to meet this manager, I, it was just so diverse. There's so many people. No two people are the same and they're not on the same path. And it's, it was just so, like, I don't know. It's just so amazing to me. I was like, this is huge. I can be, like, in this pond here. So you're 17. You, you've just got into London, the big smoke. And tell us about the journey that you had then along with your trans journey as well. Okay. So the the... I think it would be good to to say what happened right before the trans journey because it really mm. play, plays into what happened next. So I then was with this manager and, and after doing a couple of songwriting sessions, he said to me, what we're going to do, what I'd really like to do with you is form a band around you and you'll be the singer. And I was like, amazing. Maybe not Freddie, maybe not David Barry, but I could be Freddie Mercury. This is wicked. Like, you know, I'm going to be the lead singer of a band, band. And he was like, whoa, whoa, calm down. I want you to be in an urban band. Like you can be urban and we'll put like a rapper and a DJ around you, like the Black Eyed Peas. And I was like, that's not really me. Not really what I signed up for. Not really my kind of music that I even like. But okay, cool. Let's just try it. Because at this time I was 17, turning 18. And like, I've just moved to the city. This is an experience. Like I'll get something out of it. We might play some shows and I'll learn something. Uh, but then came along with that, was once you allow someone to dictate something in your life, I think you open the door to allowing them to make more changes. And before you know it, you are something completely different the way you started out. And it wasn't just, let's put you in this urban band. It was, let's put you in this urban band and make sure that you're wearing XYZ clothes. So it went from me wearing like really baggy pants and like a baggy t-shirt and a snapback to, let's put you in some hot pants and and a vest top and like and you like you knowing me and the conversations we've had before this is just the opposite to me but like I'd said in, in part one this was the time in my life when I'd moved to London and I think I just submerged myself underwater in I'm just gonna have to be what other people want me to be in order to be loved because that is what's mm. gonna have to happen and I will just have to go along with everyone else's choices because it's the only way that I'm going to be accepted um and I continued that in a band that we set up and we, we 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 became quite popular at one point and we were touring and it was cool and we were playing good shows but I just felt like I'm exposing myself now as this caricature version that isn't me and everyone is seeing it this and I'm becoming that's their first instance of me this is how they're going to perceive me and after a while I was like we have to this 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 train has to stop 
because I need to get off. Did you feel that that um, affected your performance because you were having to dress in a way that you didn't feel comfortable? Did it affect the way you performed, like your confidence levels? I think it was so, I think it was almost a form of self-sabotage because instead of me putting on those items of clothing and being so scared and shy and like, I'm so uncomfortable right now, I can't perform. It was, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go out there and be the most made up version of what I think it means to be feminine. And I'm going to play this character and I'm going to be this person and embody all of the attributes that society tells you that a woman is like a bit sassy, probably a bit bitchy, a bit rude. And like, it, I don't know. And I just like went out and I completely self-sabotaged anything. I was being just another person, basically. Well, you've been sexualized as well, because you're saying that, that you were made to wear shorts and kind of vests and so on. And it's almost it's quite disturbing, isn't to, it? Yeah. yeah. But but like, yeah, I abs- absolutely was being like sexualized. But I think and not a but actually, no, but it w- it was and is still the shape of the music industry. Mm-hmm. And it's still it, it's like one of the even though I'm still in the music industry, it is one of the darkest places, I think, because it's it still has this very archaic feeling of like sex sells and it you you have to have that appeal. And the only way women in music can be successful is if they are overtly sexualized or if they are anti the binary and they're like pushing forward and they're like strong women, like a Patti Smith type thing. And like, I'm fuck you to the industry. And it's, I, I, it was, it was very much like that at that my age when I was 17 and 10 years on, I know it's got better, but it still really exists. And you were still 17. Yeah. Probably I think that's what's really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, I was 17. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So probably. You... Yeah. Probably younger actually when it began 16, maybe, but it was bad. Yeah. So what happened next? Obviously your journey is not there now. So yeah. how did you, well, how did you break away from that? Um, I decided that I wanted to leave. Well, I decided that after we left all the managers that we were looked after, that same band continued uh, going on. But I decided what I would wear. I decided how I would dress. I decided my character. And even though it was lesser than that caricature I was playing, it was still only halfway to who I really am. So even though I changed my clothes and I was looking a lot more from society standards masculine, um, I still felt the need to have to like wear makeup or like be a certain way with people. Um, so although I took in the reins back, I was still on the journey. And then eventually I was like, Do you know what? This is, this is not my journey. This is not my music. This is not my sound. And it, it almost felt a bit um, like I had just realized how far I had come and how far I'd strayed away from my initial beliefs about the music industry i wanted to be like david bowie david jones who moved up to the big city and had that big city experience of playing in the street and you know someone finds you and you're a busker like the ed sheeran story i wanted that for myself and i was playing in pubs and bars alongside this and when i was on my time i was really enjoying what i was doing playing covers in a pub and having people come up and then follow you online and i loved that and then i started playing my own music in pubs and bars and that was great um and i like I am where I am now and that is that is my story but there's also a part of me that thinks I wonder what would have happened if I really stuck to my guns at that point and done that but you know everything happens for whatever reason it does and I'm here now um so I yeah left the band 
And then I was like, right, I'm going to go and do that now, five years later. So I then got my guitar and my piano out and started writing my own tunes and putting them out onto YouTube um, and then started to grow a collective of um, people who like my music from there. And that has continued from that point until now, even though I'm, I've rebranded my names a couple of times, obviously, because I've changed my name officially. But even before that, I changed my name from the band to then when I came to be a solo artist. So, yeah, I'm quite like I've moved through life quite fluidly and open to change and um, not being too rigid in, in the confines of that. Um, but over the past like in 2019 was when my career really started to form itself in a way that I was really happy with aside from it was like the last little piece of the puzzle that I just I, I hadn't talked about transitioning or wanted to transition or the fact that I was a transgender man so I was playing the music that I liked playing the shows that I liked wearing the clothes that I liked acting the way I wanted all apart from this last bit and it was working really well like I'd sold out like five headline shows in London in the year and released five singles and they were all like a great success and then the pandemic happened and then I had to went home and that whole bubble that we were all excited to be in just sort of um, dismantled a bit I guess and I then had to like, I then had the time to look at myself and then make that final change. And now I'm like a bull waiting to get out of, out of the gate so I can just go and stampede all around the arena. Like that's what I'm, that's how I feel right now. Cause I, I have loads of music that I've written during the pandemic that I want to release soon. So you touched upon it briefly in the previous episode about how during the lockdown that was your reflection time and that was where you got to know yourself and that was the decision point of I'm going to do this yeah um I'm going to you know top surgery I'm going to take the hormones mm. can you tell us about the impact on your music and that thinking process and that that transition in music as well as a, in in line with with what you were going through yeah um you mean like the storytelling or just the yeah. as, a, as a whole? Um, uh, yeah, storytelling. I think, I think before coming out as trans and, and stating that as my truth, I had always written music, which was really happy. That was, I, I, I was always writing songs that had this feeling of sunshine. And I think it came from a place of, I know what it's like to feel really alone and sad and lonely and I don't ever want other people to feel that way so I'm going to write really happy music so that we can feel like we're in a happy place together and then I, I started b before I transitioned at the end of 2019 I started to notice after there was a break there was a lot of stuff that happened that year like I had the breakdown of my relationship and moving out of a different place like it was quite heavy and starting to real, really realize that this trans thing was going to come to the surface at some point because I couldn't hold it in any longer, that a lot of my music became quite sad. And like I was really facing these feelings for the first time. And that started to come into my music. And, and some of the songs that I put out at that time, people really resonated with as well. Um, and that was the first time where I thought, actually, like I don't, I don't always have to be happy for people to, to like me or for people to feel connected. Um, and then in lockdown, after I'd come out, I started to write a few songs that were sort of based on, on that story. And uh, I'd never, never 
I say I'd never done that before, but I did actually write a song at about 14 or 15 years old. One of those ones that I'd written when I started forming my own songs. It was called Misconception. And it was about this girl going through life. But basically, I wonder if you knew that when you were looking at her, you were also looking at me. And it was basically this big, fat, fuck off trans narrative when I was like 14, 15. And everyone was like, oh, what a lovely song. It's quite sad, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, it's quite sad, isn't it? <laughs> but like, <laughs> you think? You think? And then, yeah, so apart from that one, I, I, I've never been, I'd never spoken about that. And yeah, I wrote a couple of songs in, in lockdown. One of them, basically, I wrote it around the time of deciding that I was going to take testosterone as like a, well, it was, it was more like, I've never been very in touch with my emotions. And I don't know why. Maybe it's because I've pushed them away because I've always felt a bit unsafe about how I'm allowed to feel. But because of that, I find it hard to know what I'm thinking so what I do is I pick up an instrument, I start playing some music and words fall out of my mouth. And that is how I find out how I'm feeling about something. And when I was breaking up with my ex-girlfriend, I went to the park and I was playing some songs and all of these words came out of my mouth. That was how I wrote Be Naked about how maybe it's time. Like it's a really fucking sad Really, song. really great song. Though. Oh, thank you. Uh, is, that has got to be my favourite one that you've written. Yeah. It's a brilliant thank song. You. But it, it was one of those like, I was writing it in the park and I was like, oh shit, it made me cry because I, I, it was like this release of all this stuff I'd, I'd kept, kept inside. And then I looked at my page and I was like, oh, so that's how I feel about that right now. And it was the same with this, with this d- decision to start testosterone because I wasn't sure how I was feeling about it, but I knew I was feeling a lot of something. So I sat down and I played a few chords and just these words just started falling out of my mouth. And I was like, wow, that's, that's how I feel about this. And although there's a lot of moments of like, um, it's like it's like a it's like I'm, I'm apprehensive. There's there's moments of apprehension in the song could because I was unaware of how it would plan out at the time. There's also moments of future me giving myself the reassurance that it's going to be okay, and I've only really been able to hear that retrospectively. You talk about um, how music has meant so much to you. <laughs> Um, throughout your life you mentioned at one point about how you felt that music had saved your life Mm. do you feel that that was uh, listening to music and being able to relate to different things or actually the writing of the music because it sounds like it's quite um not spiritual but it feels like it's quite a cleansing process for you to write because like you say that's how you express your emotions so when you say music saved your life how would you describe that what do you mean by that um it's sort of multifaceted. It's, it's both of the things you described. One, one being able to listen to music and really resonate with the tones and the, the, the frequencies inside a person's voice. It like hits me in the heart in a different, a different way. But also then being able to like cathartically release my own emotions. That was a massive one for how it helped me in my life. Because if, if it wasn't, I don't know how I would have been able to keep all these feelings somewhere inside me. Eventually that, that shit bottles up and you, you can explode. So it was good in a cleansing way to, to release and then to understand, almost like journaling, how you feel about something. I had to read it back and sing it to like hear it for the first time. But more importantly than that, the way that music saved my life was 
allowing me to feel normal or an ounce of what it would feel like to feel normal because it started when I was in school I sort of thought like right I can be weird and that kooky guy as long as I have something that people can understand so I started to learn guitar and then you know I think it was like in in school people wouldn't have thought like women wouldn't have thought right I can I'm allowed to fancy this person because I can't even though I acted like a boy and I carried their books to school and we walked and then maybe there was always a flirty banter they probably thought I can't do that because what would that make me you know but then as soon as I got my guitar out and started singing songs it was like this barrier came down between everyone like oh but we're allowed to fancy him because like he's got a nice voice though you know it was that it was like oh like it helps people see me as more than just this strange person. Um, and yeah, and I think in a shallow way, I felt more accepted because I had this one thing that, you know, if, if I was, if I'm going to be this peculiar person that no one can understand, they'll accept me if I'm successful, you know, or accept me because I can do this thing, um, which is sad, but that was how it saved my life because I, I was able to keep people around. That's how it felt anyway. Yeah, I mean, you, you talk about how you wrote a lot of music around about the time that you were um, about to start testosterone. Mm. And we talked, we touched briefly on it in the last episode about your battles with that, because it was going to change your voice, which, of mm. course, you'd come to know over the last 26 years and mm. you were making a career on it. So how did you how did you actually break down the barrier of thinking, yes, I'm going to do this and it's going to be okay? Because of course, changing your voice completely is mm. such a big thing for a singer. Mm. I think it came down to, actually, I don't know if it's going to be okay, but regardless, I'm going to have to do it. Because <clears throat> like I mentioned in, in the first episode, I it came down to, I have to now choose between the quality of my life every minute of every day, as opposed to these potentially fleeting moments when I'm on stage or moments when I'm writing or moments when I'm singing. And, you know, I, I thought, I thought actually at the time, what would happen if I, God forbid, like I was in a car accident or something else had happened that had taken away the ability to do that. Or, or like anyone with any anything that they love to do. And I was thinking, you you don't know what's going to happen in your life. And what I felt like I had to prioritise was my every minute of every day. Uh, and, and the way to do that would have been to, to, to begin hormone replacement therapy and start testosterone. So I thought, I'm just going to have to do that. And I will just meet anything that comes my way with as much positivity as I can. And I'll overcome it somehow. And in that decision, I called up <clears throat> my friend April. And I said, this is what I'm going to do. I want to document it because I don't know how it's going to pan out because there's not a lot of research or resources online. And if anyone else is feeling the way that I've felt, I would like them to have something. So let's film it. And if it's happy, it's happy. If it's really sad, it's really sad, but it's going to be something that might help someone else too. And that's sort of something that's kept me going throughout any of the highs and the lows that we're always creating this thing as well. Um, so that, yeah, that was, that was my decision and, and how I came to decide to, to do it. Um, even though I knew that I might be risking something that has brought me so much stability. It's quite a, quite a 
brave decision um you know because you've talked about how I, I don't know like looking at it from two perspectives obviously you have the music over here which made you so happy and was able to feel so accepted but yet you had the dysphoria of your body and your voice on this side and like put the two together and coming up with that it's mm. it's uh, yeah it's a it's a brave decision I don't yeah. know if I'd have been able to do it <laughs> I think it gets to the point where or, or, or it, might, it might sound like a brave thing but it might have also been out of desperation like yeah. I can't can't live another day like this so I'm gonna have to do this other thing and like I, I suppose there is there is a bravery aspect to it, but um, it could have been the both, you know, at yeah. the same time. <clears throat> I wouldn't I would I wouldn't want anyone to listen to the podcast and think, blimey, he's so brave, I can never be that brave because there were also there was also that um, the the, des- the desperation that maybe it's a have to, and and I'd like people to hear that as well. Yeah, I think there's yeah. Whenever you see someone strong, always be aware that they've climbed mountains and been yeah. through pits to become strong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so obviously we had um the before uh, testosterone dylan and mm. post testosterone dylan and i guess i'm going to be firing loads of questions about this because i find with the documentary as well with you documenting just the journey that's a genius idea and fascinating mm. um what have the fan reactions been to before well, and after that will be a short short answered question is that still we don't know because mm. I completely removed myself from social media. So I have spent the last year and a half completely off my public social media. And uh, I made like a private Instagram account so I could keep in touch with friends and that sort of stuff. But I, yeah, I, I took myself off and I said, I'm like going on a hiatus, I'll be back, but I don't know when. Uh, so the react and, and and also like I told I told my fans like I'm changing my name and you I, I made this post and it said you can now call me Dylan and I sort of explained kind of like um, how Elliot Page put something on on his Instagram like this is this is how I feel and this is how I've always felt and how I'm proud of myself and the ending statement was you can now call me Dylan and that's the last thing that was on my profile and then poof, I just sort of uh, vanished so whether people probably put, have an inclination that this is what I've been up to or not I don't know but it remains to be seen how the reaction will be. And I hope that much like the reaction was very warming to my name change, that it will also be the same to this, but um, I won't know. I think I'm going to start addressing the public again from in June. So it will all be timely to find out how that happens. <laughs> so are you, um, are you planning to, re-release your previously written songs things like summer on ice and let's get naked are you are you looking to re-record them as dylan with this new voice or are you thinking do you know what that was old me and here is my new new identity new music um it's a bit it's a bit of both because i am that sort of like fast-paced bull that wants to get out of the gates there's so much new music because i'm quite a prolific writer I just love writing. So I've, I've always got new content and I've, I've got this overflowing bag of music that I want to release. And so I'm, I'm excited by the new stuff because it's new. Uh, so obviously I want to get all that out there, but I also still see um, past iterations of me in my old music that I don't want to lose because although I didn't feel 100% comfortable in my life the time that I wrote 
um, the naked or lose myself or heaven now or somewhere on ice. They are still me. They're moments of me and my light and my energy. And I would like to do those songs some justice by re-recording them. Maybe not all of them, maybe a few select ones, um, but I do have plans to release some content around those songs. So what I've done with a few pieces of music is before I started transitioning, I decided that I would capture as much of, as my, of my voice as I could possibly do. So I spent like a month just recording vocals and harmonies and ad-libs on tracks that I thought I could then recreate a year down the line. And then what would happen is that I'd end up with this choir of soprano, alto, tenor and bass, but all me, this one person. Wow. So that's something that I've been experimenting with the whole time recording vocals. It's amazing. It really is. It is. And I, I suppose from what you're doing, like you said, you did a little bit of research before um, starting the testosterone and there wasn't much out there in terms of how singers' voices changed and things like that. I guess doing this documentary and releasing your music is going to propel you forward as a real role model, you know, not only in the music industry for this, but also in the trans community. You know, how do you feel about being recognized for more so this journey rather than your music initially you know because obviously a lot of artists put music out there and that's predominantly what they're known for but you've clearly got your music which is such a big part of it but then also you've got this journey that you're putting out there for other people to mm. listen to and to find out about mm. so you know it's going to be very much like say multifaceted for you mm. Yeah, I, I, I know it's not often that I'm lost for words. <laughs> I, I, I almost find it hard to answer that question because in the similar way to being the kind of person that just climbs to the top of the tree and then looks down and thinks, ah, oh, shit. Like, I, that, is, that is my approach to life in a lot of ways. And I, I suppose I haven't really thought about the fact that people might find me <clears throat> from, find me as sort of someone within the trans community to look up to because I have always seen myself as a musician I'm a musician who happens to be trans and because because I haven't been out in the public domain as a musician who happens to be trans people haven't ever looked up to me for that side of my life so I don't that really you know, know of that I know of that I know of so I don't really know what that will feel like and I also don't know whether people I mean I hope to think that someone somewhere might find some solace and some hope in my my documentary but I I can't say that um it will be wildly celebrated or that it will go viral I don't I don't know um and if that were to happen how I would feel about it I would probably try and maintain the course of like I'm just happy it's helping people yeah um but yeah I don't know <laughs> I think it's definitely worth considering because you are breaking ground you're you know you you're not even establishing a mold that someone else can go into what you are doing is completely unique um that's not at all scary (laughs) 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 oh oh, (laughs) you're pointing it all out now and i'm like contemplating everything i've decided (laughs) yeah i've changed my mind (laughs) i'll go work i don't know i mean yeah yeah i guess i guess it hasn't really been done and yeah back to back to what you said about my research before Fortunately for me, there were a couple of trans guys who I'd seen on YouTube who found singing as like a hobby. So they had done like, this was me singing 
X song one month on T and then here's me singing it again five months on T and then here's me singing it now. So I could get the gist that, you know, your voice stays intact. Like you, you don't lose the ability to sing, but whether tone would change or whether the ability to have the endurance would change. Because at, at the time that I was decided to transition, it was my income and my life. So it was like, am I going to have to take a year off? Am I going to have to cancel every other show? Will I be able to have be a, to sing an hour or will it be can I only ever sing two songs and then my voice is tired I don't know so those were the things that I just didn't know anything about so talking of shows you're playing London Pride again this year is mm. that going to be your first outing as it were yes I, <laughs> Poor choice of words, of words. <laughs> <laughs> I, I suppose it actually will be it will be my first public mm. uh, yeah outing um, I mean, I've played, I've played, obviously, I've played London Pride before, but mm. as, as Dylan, Dylan, yeah, it will be. How are you feeling about that? Well, you've only just reminded me. Oh, <laughs> I, I haven't thought about it, really. Um, yeah, I, so I'm playing London Pride and um, sometime in June and then Brighton Pride on the 7th of August. I'll be down there. So there's a couple of occasions where I'll be addressing myself and putting myself out there as Dylan for the first time. But I, I'm hoping that it will feel like some kind of full circle healing, really, because because I've played London Pride previously, um, I feel like this will be the most united version of me I will ever feel, let alone reuniting with people for the first time. It's kind of exciting, right? It is actually kind of exciting. <laughs> I actually got these little um, little anticipation butterflies. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. Mm, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I've got to pick a good outfit now. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess um, you talk about full circle moments. Mm. Um, you know, you talked about um, music you listened to when you were growing up, and then when you got in, when you first got into music. Now, who do you listen to? Who do you think? And maybe not even necessarily for the music, but who, which artists do you look up to, and they inspire you? Um, <clears throat> someone who. I do listen to and who is quite inspiring, I think is Harry Styles. I really like Harry Styles' music because I think him and I was like a similar age group. And we also, from what I've heard him say and the music I hear that he produces, we listen to a lot of the same stuff as youngsters, like our parents' collection of music and um, that old school, old school stuff. And I like his writing, but even more so, I like how he navigates the world I like how he seems incredibly down to earth and kind um, but also sort of um, unapologetic in his willingness to to be to be androgynous as well as someone who's been called like you know a sex icon or whatever for women who will then come out and like completely wear a ballerina's outfit and do everything in in what's typically seen as like a, a feminine thing but then still have everyone go yeah but it's still sexy like i think i think it's amazing for him to do it in 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 an authentic way because it doesn't feel like he's doing it for clickbait or he's doing it to to get that reaction it genuinely feels like he wants to step outside of those norms himself and mm. and i like that i think it's cool i think there's something really powerful and sexy and attractive about an individual who is so comfortable with who they are their sexuality and you know just their their total being who they yeah. are mm. um and yeah I hadn't actually thought of Harry Styles in that way before 
Yeah. You know, we were talking about the crushes we shouldn't have, I think. I think. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. That's, what, that's <laughs> why we did that off air, because it was weird fancies. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, we, we've come full circle and we offer our guests at this time in the episode for final sips. And I know you did a final sip in the previous episode, so we're going to have to probe your brain even more and ask you for another final sip for our listeners so any final thoughts Dylan um well I think something something for me that I've I've learned more about myself over the past few months is that as well as finding honesty in my authenticity as a human being and the balance between my own masculine and feminine and everything in between and really just only who that is and I've also found so much freedom in the honesty in the rest of my life in a way where I used to carry stories and narratives and they used to be quite heavy. And now I feel like doing the music that you love and just even if even if you think people won't like it, you're just doing it in a way that you love and you're wearing the clothes that you love and you're speaking in, in the way that you like and you're going to the places that you love, even if you think other people won't, won't like it just being so you as dr zeus would say there's no one youer than you and that's truer than true like it's just so easy to be you and it and i i, I can't believe how, how long it took me to get that like i feel like i spent a lot of my life pretending to be something for someone else which most most people probably look at me and think you never did that like you were always doing your own thing but I was always doing my own thing in the hope that it would make me feel more likable or more digestible for someone else. Whereas now I'm like, I'm just doing what I want to do. And in a roundabout way that has initiated and impacted people in, in, a, in more, more than a way than before without me even trying. Um, so that's mad. So my, my last sip to your listeners would be just be you than you because it's truer than true. Thanks, Dr. Zeus. That one. Oh my god that's, 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 that's like the best final sip we've ever had isn't it? <laughs> the best final sip ever <laughs> oh, well, there's, there's yeah, no I don't know where to take it from there Katie I'm going to be honest I think no, it should take so over my fun. spot <laughs> this has been really fun thank you thank you very much for, for having me on here I've really enjoyed this you guys are great no, oh thank no thank you. you it's been yeah I mean we've learned so much from from you from our chats on and off air and yeah, just having someone lay themselves out there and be so vulnerable and open and just sharing their truth is just, it's the stuff that we are desperate for because it, we just learn so much from each other and can support one another and love each other more if we, if we know more, if we educate ourselves. Yeah. Um, and you've provided us with that opportunity. So thank yeah. you so, so much. Thank you. Good. You're very and, well. Thank you everyone for listening and we will be back again with another episode next week, um, which will be the penultimate in our Pride series, I think. It will be Gay yes, and will. Proud next yes. week, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Brilliant, just so I get that right. And we'll, um, oh, I was going to say, we'll check dates with Dylan and see if he's ready to uh, step out with his music at that point. And uh, we'll put the links to Spotify or websites or whatever whatever you'd like on our website so that people can uh, have a listen to you in right. vocally and talking mm-hmm. talkingly whatever the opposite <laughs> vocally is yeah. we'll also put the dates for pride as well um so if anyone wants to pop down to london or brighton to see dylan in the flesh then you can 
think cool. I might put my train ticket. Hey. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.